I'm Guy Mowbray, and you're listening to What's the Crack? What's the Crack podcast, proudly sponsored by JMR Property Maintenance. From rewires to extension builds, JMR have it covered. Contact them today for a free, no obligations quote. Hello and welcome to What's the Crack podcast in association with JMR Property Maintenance. And today I'm joined by a man who has made over 500 appearances in professional football, scoring 10 goals and playing for 12 clubs. He's currently player manager at Hanley Town and Stoke and Vale fans will certainly be very familiar with him. He's from my sort of area uh, all around those parts, you know, New Old Swaddling Coat. So uh, quite excited for this podcast and it's, I'm just a pleasure to be rejoined by you, mate. Mr. Carl Dickinson, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, mate. Yourself? Good, yeah, yeah, not too bad. So, yeah, anyway, but thanks for joining us here on What's the Crack podcast. Should be an enjoyable no one. Um, obviously, we'll, we'll go into sort of the more detailed stuff to begin with, and then we'll uh, go for some quick-fire questions later on in the podcast. So we'll begin part one, and um, it's... I suppose the best thing to ask you really is how did you get into football like um you know how were you scouted to an academy or uh well I, I was actually playing for my dad's team at a time called Noel Boys oh yeah um yeah and we'd moved leagues to the Derby League so we were actually playing a game um and I think the scout at the time from Derby was watching a different game but because it was half time, he decided to have a little look over and watch our game. Uh, and yeah, that's literally how I got picked up. So I got <laughs> scouted like that. I got scouted like that. Went in, had my trial, and, and signed from there. Fair play. It's, it's the little things in life, really. You know, it's uh, like that domino effect. If uh, if he doesn't turn around and watch the other game, then who knows where you might be. Yeah, exactly. You just seems to be right place, right time. Definitely. Well, uh, it's uh, definitely worked out for you. So how were things at the Derby County Academy then? And obviously you moved to the Stoke Academy as well from there. Yeah, um, I think it was at Derby from under 10s to under 14s. Um, I, I got told pretty much going into under 14s that the, the academy director at the time didn't think I was going to make it as a footballer. Um, and if it hadn't been for one of the coaches who who was there at the time sticking up for me, basically, um, then I, I wouldn't have got offered another deal. But I think about a month or so into it, they'd already given out scholarships to your likes of Tom Huddleston, Lee Holmes, uh, Nathan Doyle, Dan Martin players, really good players uh, at, at those ages. Um, like Tom Huddleston, you like to see the careers they've had. All. Yeah. Those lads as well. So um, I just, I just thought, I just thought in my head, no, there's, there's no way I'm going to get anywhere here. Uh, and there used to be a, a Stoke City scout that lived in Newall, and yeah. he straight away got in touch with him and just said, get me a trial at Stoke, and literally went there. I think two weeks later, I'd signed, and yeah, luckily, man, it was able to to kick on from there. Fair play. I mean, that's um, some of the names you mentioned there. That's usually you're playing or it's sort of competing as well uh, with players like that at youth level. It's always going to be hard to break through. And I think you see that with a lot of footballers these days, the ones that go under the radar because there are like big stars or 
anyone that's sort of in the making, it makes it harder. And then you could go elsewhere and then make it as you have and prove people wrong. And I, I bet that's probably one of the best feelings you can have in football as well, proving people like that wrong. So um, when you moved to Stoke, how did you sort of break into the first team in the end then? Um, so I was obviously, I think it was in my first year at the time of my scholarship. Um, and I was, I was playing a couple of reserve games, etc., being called up and playing with them. And I think I literally just got pulled over on the training pitch one day. Uh, and from then, he just went, yeah, OK, you're in with us. Then all of a sudden, the first team players at the time. So, so it been like your, your Adi Akinbae, Gifton, No Williams, players like that. Um, got me in the first team dressing room, said, you need to be with us now. You've been training with us long enough you need to come in and, and get started getting changed in here. And yeah, from, from that moment forward, um, I just was able to, to keep my head down and work as hard as I could. And whenever I got my chance, tried as best as I could to take it. Fair play. And I think that's, that's all you can ask for really um, in that sort of a situation. So um, obviously you had a few loan spells as well uh, during your time at Stoke. The one that really stood out when I, when I looked at it was there. You're going to say Bickinger here, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the one in Iceland. How was that? Yeah. Jeez. Um, <laughs> um, lovely country. Yeah. Really lovely country. Um, the football side of it, I didn't enjoy one bit. Oh dear, what was that? <laughs> I, I just, I just didn't. I just, I, it was part time. Mm. Um, we weren't told that before we'd gone out. All oh, right, okay. Um, so we were literally doing nothing during the day. We we're just mm. having to try and use a local gym or go for walks and try and do stuff, not really knowing where we were going. Jesus. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it just, yeah, I, I was surprised I lasted three weeks out there, to be honest. But, um, Nah, I just remember finishing a training session one day, calling my dad up and going, listen, I need to get back out of here. Fair play. Um, I mean, I, I, I've yeah. been to and like I, say, I, I met, met some great people, great people who looked after me really well, but yeah. um, and I just didn't enjoy it whatsoever. Definitely. I mean, I guarantee you it probably wouldn't be so bad if you went now because they seem to have come on leaps and bounds with their football since um so yeah it's a it's a nice country i've been there myself it was like a school trip a few few years back everyone's lovely um but yeah it's uh, quite limited football wise but it seems to be growing which is good um and then obviously you had some other loan spells uh, to some other english clubs uh which one would you say helped your development the most out of those loan spells and um yeah which one did you enjoy the most personally um to be honest, I, I think I've taken different things away from each one. Yeah. Um, like my, my first one, uh, my first loan move back to a proper English club was Blackpool under Simon Grace and when they're in League One. Yeah. Uh, and that did wonders for me. Um, playing week in, week out, at proper men's football. Um, it seemed to toughen me up a lot. Um, not that, how can I put it? I thought, I thought I was tough and ready for it, but that when when I was playing week in week out, that's when I knew right, this is it now. You've got to make sure you you can carry on doing this and 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 almost set better standards to make sure I was going to play week in week out. 
Um, unfortunately, I did get called back, but it allowed me to get another contract um, through my performances. Um, but uh, I, I, I've been dead lucky, really, with especially loan moves and clubs I've played at. Um, Portsmouth, I'd say, was um, more of a learning curve the other way for me because yeah. I didn't play well. I didn't play well at Portsmouth. Um, I had a bad season there. Um, I just, with me and my wife, had literally just had our baby boy, I think two days after I'd signed. Oh, right. Um, so, uh, tough yeah. times then. Yeah, well, with me, with me being down in Portsmouth and my wife being back up in Stoke with, with the baby looking after... Quite a distance. Uh, it was, yeah, it was, it, was, it was difficult to, to manage and with me not playing well as well. Well, I think I just allowed everything to get on top of me a bit too much. Um, I was almost trying too hard to to do well uh, instead of re- relaxing and and thinking more about the things that got me in a position to play for a club like Portsmouth in the first place. And yeah, yeah that that taught me a hell of a lot in terms of mentality, uh, the way the way you think about what you can and can't control. Uh, and for me, I was trying to control too much uh, and it affected my performances a lot. Um, don't get me wrong, I, I, I enjoyed being down there and met some great lads. And But um, yeah, that, that for me was probably the biggest learning curve the other way. Um, but like I said, I've been, I've been lucky with a lot of other ones. You know, Barnes under Mark Robbins had a fantastic season there. Um, Leeds, you know, Jesus Christ, what a club! Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, walking out to to that crowd is, um, you know, it, it, it's come close to some of the best things I've had. You know, I'm not. It's, it's not Stoke for me. For yeah. when I walked out there, it's it's not there, but it, it's certainly not far off. Exactly. Uh, so I'm playing there in League One and still have over twenty still have over twenty thousand there. It yeah. was it was massive. Um but yeah, I mean I think I think all in all I, I was I was really lucky with the clubs I went on loan to and thoroughly enjoyed my time. Good or bad looking back on it now. Um but yeah, just I think it's I think it's only when you do finish and you can sit back and reflect on everything you think. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've done okay there. Precisely, mate. And I think what the thing I take from that most is that even after negative experiences, you still keep a positive mindset and you you try and build and improve. And you know, every every footballer will be affected by their personal lives. It's natural. Um, so you can't always be the best. Um, but so long as you can kick on as you know, sort of later down the line, you'll be fine. And um, just touching on sort of Leeds and Stoke, you know, both got iconic chants uh, that when sang loud and proud can uh, make you tear up. But I mean, uh, obviously spending so long at Stoke, you'll have had, you've, you'll have heard some fair, fair good few atmospheres. So I suppose I'd like to touch on what was it like making your first team debut for Stoke and what was the atmosphere like? How did you feel on the day? It was it was amazing. I mean, I think I only got on for about four or five minutes. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, I, 
you know, uh, I don't really remember much about the whole day, to be honest. Um, I just remember walking in and seeing my shirt up in the in the uh, changing room for the first time. Um, that's something I won't forget. Um, yeah, and then all of a sudden, uh, the gaffer, Tony Pulis, turning around and going, come on then, you're on. And just tapping on the shoulder and just said, enjoy it, son. And that was it. And that was my debut. Fair play. I mean, um, what a manager as well to make your first team debut under. Uh, what was it like playing under Tony Pulis' Stoke? Because obviously it's quite an iconic squad um, in in Stoke history, but also in Premier League history and in Championship level because of that style of play. And obviously you had the long throw-ins as well, which was also uh, quite iconic in itself. So what was what was that like for you personally and also getting promoted as well? I, I loved it. Um, you know, I'll never forget what he did for me in terms of giving me a chance to play professional football. Um, he was, I think the biggest thing I can say is he was always honest with me as a player and as a person. Um, you know, he, if if he needed to, he'd let me know if I'd done something bad and he would <laughs> let loose. You know, I, I, I felt, yeah. He, he come after me a couple of times, um, but I think with any player that was there and gave everything, he'd always look after you and give you everything he could as well. Um, and to be to be lucky enough to be a part of a group that achieved what many people thought wasn't possible at the time, uh, especially only being 20, 21 and getting promoted to the Premier League on the last day of the season. Um, it's yeah, it's it's what dreams are made of. It's what um, you know when you're you're a younger kid and you dream. For me, it was always to play in the Premier League um, and to be able to say, you know, when I signed pro, I, I had three goals that I wanted to to complete. Um, one was when I got to the end of my career to have played over 500 games. Um, to have played in the Premier You've League. You've certainly done that. <laughs> yeah, and, and play at Wembley. Um, Wembley is the one I haven't managed yet. Yeah, well, you but, never know um, what you could achieve. At, uh, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I, like I say, I, I count myself incredibly lucky to achieve that and be able to say I, I, I've done that and be a part of that special group that achieved so much. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, um, in a sense, you know, Stoke obviously getting promoted, you, you do sort of, do you, would you ever think like, oh, maybe I wish we won the playoffs instead just so you could have that sort of Wembley experience or would you just keep it the way it was because it was so good? No, no, for me, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think if you've, if you've gone that way and you've ended up in the playoffs, then obviously it must be a, an amazing feeling to win at Wembley. But to be able to say you got promoted on the last day of the season in front of your own fans with a pitch invasion and and all of that, that, for me, that's that the best day I've had in football. That was the best day I've had in football. It is, you know, I'd, especially I'd, I'd had a bit of a like, personal tragedy during that season. I'd lost my father um, in the October. So, um, for, for me, uh, it, it meant a hell of a lot more. 
Exactly, um, and I think that it's those sort of things in life that make just anything, especially in football. In football, I think working for things makes it all worth it. But that moment will have just made any pain and suffering you, you'll have felt from that experience. You know, it'll all been felt like okay. You know what? I've done myself proud, and you know you'll have done him proud, getting promoted as well. So. Um, you know, it's another one of those things that you have to live with in life, but to sort of still play football and live with that, it must have been tough. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But um, for me, I've, I've always been one to crack on with everything. Um, you know, it's, it's one of them that's, you know, stuff happens. And there's a lot of worse stuff going on in the world and happening to people. And um, especially like at the minute, you know, yeah, there's a lot of people going through a lot of stuff. And for me, it, it's just right. You can either sit and sulk, or you can and crack on and and try and be the best version of yourself every day. And um, yeah, and just to make as many memories as I could to to make him proud, really. And like I say, that that for me from then was right. I'm gonna achieve those goals that I set when I turn pro and try my hardest to achieve them and luckily I ticked two off and but still one more to go yeah exactly I, I mean even even you know obviously you're in management now so you never know that day could come as a manager rather than as a player and um I, I do well we've got the, the FA Vols this year so I was going to say that actually we've got the um, FA Vols this year so that's when Blue fell yeah, exactly. If I, could, yeah. if I could do well, if I can do well in the FA bars and, and have a good day out of Wembley, that would be amazing. I went to uh, the uh, FA uh, Builder Base trophy in the FA bars, I think it was two years ago. Um, Orient played in the final because my, my dad's a Leighton Orient fan. So we went there for that and they lost to uh, oh, okay. But we went there for both games because obviously it was both on the same day. And, you know, despite them not being obviously at the top level of English football, the atmosphere in Wembley was still really special. And I don't think that will ever change, no matter what club you support, who you play for, ever. It's still always going to be that same magical experience. Well, so, um, I, was, I, was, I was lucky enough to travel with the Stoke squad for the FA Cup final. No, I was um, going to mention that. Unfortunately, I was going to ask you unfortunately, I was cup-tied. Yeah. Because... Um, uh, I'd, I'd finished my loan at Portsmouth and I was still training back at Stoke uh, and, and the gaffer asked me if I was cup tied because he was thinking of putting me on the bench oh, so yeah that was uh, devastating but no look it, you know it summed up the, the kind of person he was he, he made sure I got a suit made sure I travelled with the squad stayed in the hotel was all part of it um, for him to do that for someone that you know he could have easily just said well you cup tied, you could have stayed at home. Was, was yeah, you no, know, meant a lot to me as well. But like I said, I want, I want to do it again. Exactly, credit, uh, credit to him as well. You know, giving you that experience because not many managers would be willing to do that. And uh, I mean, even the semi final before that final was a cracking semi final. Was I was it Bolton? I think um, yes, it was. Yeah, yeah I thought so. Yeah, five nil. Yeah, cracking stuff. Um. So, yeah, I, I suppose moving on sort of later years in your career, um, you've had a, a couple of other clubs, Port Vale, Notts County, Yeovil, you make quite a few appearances there. Um, one I want to touch on definitely is Port Vale. How did that go down with some of the Stoke fans? 
you know what? It, it was um, when I went and met Nicky Adams, who was manager at the time. Um, it was the first question he asked me, to be honest. He was like, can, can you deal with, you know, if, if people are going to come after you? And, and for me, it was a case of, well, I'll just prove that I'm not here to just be close to home and, and, and be, a, you know, a, a number. I'm here because I want to get my career back on track. You know, I'd, I'd, the, the, year, the season before had been a horrible one at Watford. Um, uh, and the outcome of that. But, um, I mean, for me, the moment I signed and it got announced, etc., everyone was different class for me. Um, I, you know, both both Stoke and Port Vale fans. And I think my performances when I was at Port Vale showed that I, I just I just wanted to play football. Yeah. And I was willing to give I was willing to give my all no matter what shirt I was in. Um, and I think the fans respected that. Uh, and that's why they were they were so good with me. Well, I mean, you clearly did quite well, obviously making over 100 appearances and obviously being a defender, you're not really supposed to be known for your goals, but you bagged four goals while you were over there, so not so not too bad <laughs> going. Um, so we'll just quickly take one step back a bit. I forgot to mention the uh, Watford spell, because obviously you transferred permanently from Stoke to Watford. Uh, what was that move for, like for you? Because it wasn't actually a bad period in Watford's history at the time. So uh, how was that for you? Um, I'd, I'd finished my uh, loan at Portsmouth and I got a phone call from John Eustace, who was there at the time who I played with at Stoke before. Yeah. Um, and he called me and just said, we're after a left back. And the assistant manager I had at Portsmouth, Ian Moan, he just moved to Watford, gave yeah. me a call. And it was Sean Deitch's first proper job in in. I was like, can I put it first team football? Um, so yeah, we, we literally got chatting, agreed with everything, got signed, enjoyed the first year there, was brilliant under him. Um, it's no surprise to me he's gone on to achieve the success he has because he's a top, top manager. Um, I think we finished ninth um that year, um, which was brilliant. Great set of lads, some really good players in there. Um <clears throat> and then uh, yeah, things changed rapidly. Uh, yeah. The the Italians took over, uh, appointed a new manager in Zola, who I got on fantastically well with. I've not uh, heard a bad word about Zola, to be fair. No, nah, he's just just a humble, nice man. Really, I was gutted that it didn't really work is. out for him at Blues, to be honest. Uh, yeah, he, I, I've not got a bad word to say about him. He, he was really good with me. Um, and then... Yeah, things things happened where um, I wasn't playing and all the other nonsense went on, and I just had to get out of there. So yeah, yeah, it was it was it was the right thing for me to do to to get away from there. Precisely. I mean, it, it, I think if my memory serves me right, you'll have probably just missed out on the Hogdini moment, or were you there for that? No, um, <laughs> no, I wasn't there for that one. No. I'd gone by then. I, I bet. I bet you wish you were there just for what one more year just to <laughs> experience <laughs> those sort of scenes, flipping heck. But um, yeah, yeah. So obviously, Troy is no, brilliant. Exactly, and obviously, you know, with um, I'm very excited to see him play for Blues. Hopefully on Friday. So uh, we we do. Yeah, he's he's a top lad. Troy is. He's you know, given 
what happened to him in the past and the way he's, he's took it on the chin and the way he's come back from that and took his career to a whole different level. And now to be able to probably finish his career at his boyhood club, um, exactly. you know, it's, it's, a special, it's a special story. Isn't it? I, I know for a fact he'll bang goals in just because of the type of lad he is. He's a great lad. <laughs> he, he, he'll be good around the place. He'll, he'll demand standards. Uh, he won't be shy to say it. Yeah, it's, it's not right. Um, but no, I, I like I say, great lad. He's deserved everything he's got. Um, and no, I, I really do hope he can finish on a massive high at his Boyle club. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully. Um, I, I mean, I'm not going to put too much pressure on the lad, but I, of course, I hope he does well. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Um, the lads, the podcast lads, will be dying for me to mention this this part of it and get get your thoughts on what it was like playing for Coventry. Obviously, you were you had a short loan loan spell there. What was that like, um, and how was it playing for the Sky Blues? <laughs> well, it was weird actually because Mark Robbins was manager at the time. Yeah, he saw me again, and I, I agreed to because I'd obviously played under him at Barnsley before. Yeah, literally two hours or three hours after me agreeing to sign he called me back up saying I've just got the Huddersfield job <laughs> so he, um, I literally was like oh right okay then um, but agreed to carry on and, and do the loan I think Lee Carsley was um, was interim at that point uh, took over for I think it was four games or so and then uh, Stephen Presley came in for like the last one or two games. Um, and then that was it. That was it then from there, really. Um, that was when I knew I had to to move on and, and find somewhere permanent. But I enjoyed it there. Enjoyed it there. It's just a shame what was going on at the time in terms of finances and, and you know, all stuff away from the pitch and with the stadium, etc. But yeah. Even then, I think I think we were still getting fifteen thousand at some games. It was it was crazy, really. But no, it's nice to see that they're back up. Definitely, championship. Yeah, level. they're on the rise again, and they've got they've got the they've got the fan base back in. Um, you know, it's I think Coventry is known for being a Premier League club, um, and they've got a good a good uh, manager there in Robbins who I'm sure will be able to keep progressing them forward. Definitely, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how Coventry do this season. They've certainly started well. I think they're in um, something like uh, fifth or sixth at the moment. Um, so, yeah, no, it's good to, good to see them, but they're, they're just above my team, Birmingham City. So hopefully that changes soon enough. Um, so, yeah, obviously going back to uh, just leaving Port Vale onto Notts County next, what was that like uh, playing Notts County? Obviously not too far away from uh, Newall. Yeah, I mean, luckily, um, well, I've lived in Stoke now for the last, what, nearly 40, 14 years. Well, fair play. <laughs> I, I, I left, yeah, I left, I left Newall when I was 21, 22. Mm. But um, yeah, it's a perfect move, really, how it turned out. Uh, still being able to be close to home. Um, I had a great chat with John Sheridan, who convinced me to sign. And 
you know, some of the lads that were joining at the time as well. I'd played with the year before in Michael O'Connor, Richard Duffy at Port Vale. Um, but for the for the squad we had, we didn't do well enough at all. Um, let ourselves down a hell of a lot, uh, which ultimately led to John Sheridan being sacked uh, and Kevin Nolan coming in and finishing the season off for us. And I think we finished 16th, I think. It's a disappointing season, really. Um, the second season, um, yeah, we, we did really well. Ended up getting to the playoffs. And then, obviously, um, Coventry broke hearts. <laughs> yes. Um, didn't play... I mean, I, I played a lot of games, but not as much as what I would like to play. Yeah. Um, to, be left, to be left out of the playoffs and not be involved, uh, you know, it hurt. Um, especially considering I thought I'd had a really good season in the games mm-hmm. I played as well. Um, but I was out of contract. Uh, kind of knew at the end of that year that I wasn't going to be offered another one just yeah. in terms of the signings they'd made. Um, but yeah, which, which led me on to moving to, to Yeovil. Yeah, I think uh, it's interesting, really. I've always wanted to ask this sort of a question. Like, when you sit on the sidelines for something like the playoffs, when you watch on, obviously, you're supporting your teammates, of course, but do you ever watch and there's just certain moments where you think, I know I could have done better there? Do you, did you have that at all? I think I think everyone does to a point, but it's, it's easy to do that. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. People see things from the sides and everyone could go, oh, what's he doing? What's he doing there? <laughs> but, I mean, don't get me wrong, sometimes, yeah, it, it, it you know, but when you're playing and, and things are happening that quick, sometimes you, you can't do anything about it. Um, and I, it, like I say, it's, it's easy for, to, for people to do that. And I suppose that's why we love football, because everybody's got an opinion on something. But, um, no, for, for me, I was gutted because I honestly thought we had the squad capable of, of doing it. Um, but fair play to Coventry. I mean, they, they came to uh, the county ground in the second leg and, you know, and basically just did a right job on us. Uh, yeah. Thoroughly deserved to, to beat us and ultimately did well enough to go on and win it. Of course, yeah. Uh, I remember watching the game because I'm actually I was born in Nottingham and then lived in. Oh, um, same here. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> we've, we've got some re- well, relations. I, I was born in Nottinghamshire. I was born in Sutton and Ashfield. So, a oh, fair play. Yeah. Uh, I mean, mm. uh, I was. I think I was born in I think it's Queens or something like that. Um, I'm trying to remember the name yeah, of the hostel. Oh, Queens. Yeah. Damn. Not, not, not the Burton one, the uh, the big one in Nottingham. I'm trying to remember what it was called. Yeah, near the city centre. Yeah, yeah, right near the city yeah. centre. I can't remember what it's yeah. called. I'm going to have to look that up in a bit. I knew, I know it's something sort of royal name based. Yeah. <laughs> uh, these these things sort of escape me. But yeah, no, born born in Nottingham, lived in Midway. So uh, you know, uh, I, I when I watched a couple that of game, mates, couple of mates, couple of my mates live in Midway. So oh well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. This is probably all one my of the, mates uh, from back that way. I've got yeah. mates in Midway, um, Willington, Gresley. So, yeah. I've been to see Gresley FC a few times. Um, because why yeah, not? yeah, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a few of my mates have played for them. 
Fair play, yeah. And then I, obviously watching Notts County, I've not, I'm not, I don't, obviously I don't support them or anything, but it, it'd just be nice to see uh, a team like that do well. So I do remember watching those playoffs thinking, oh, go on, Notts County. It'd be nice to see them do a job on them because I do have some family over there as well. Um, it's just a shame it didn't work out that way in the end. But I was also happy for Coventry because it's another Midlands team that have obviously hit rock bottom and then come back again. So, um, you know, e- either side, really, um, it would have been great for them. And then Notts County, hopefully they can get back out of the National League and uh, get into uh, the EFL again soon enough. So um, we'll move on to your time at Yeovil. What what was that like? Obviously, Yeovil was, uh, they've been a bit of a yo-yo club over the last few years, get to the championship and yeah. now they're down in the National League. It's like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... No, for, for me, I, I got a call um, saying, can I go down and have a chat? So I went down and uh, spoke with the assistant, Terry Skiverton, who, when I got down there, had, had this full presentation to show me on why he wanted to sign clips on me, everything. It was it was something new for me that I'd not seen. Yeah. Um, for me, it showed a big commitment from them. As, as to why they wanted me there and the part I could play. Um, the only difficult part was obviously being away from the kids, but it was it was a it was a move at the time I couldn't turn down yeah. uh, to be able to carry on looking after my my wife and kids. So um, I did that. We started off well, um, and things changed quite rapidly. Um, I didn't really get on with the manager. It's just Paul's Carry on. <laughs> you are, right, mate. Uh, yeah. Um, didn't didn't really get on with the manager. Um, you know, for me, things weren't right. Uh, we weren't doing well enough uh, in training or games. Um, yeah, which um, yeah, a lot of things went on, mate. That that weren't right. Uh, which ultimately led him to get in the sack. Yeah, uh, and and then and, and yeah, I think the last two months of that season, uh, I was just told to go on by the people that took over because uh, they they wanted to to play a young lad who you know which wasn't fair on him. Good good lad. Um, but it wasn't fair on him, the pressure they put on him to be part of playing week in, week out in a team that was in a relegation spot. Um, but yeah, uh, like I say, mate, a lot of things went off, on that was insane, really. Uh, people wouldn't believe. And yeah, it's, uh, yeah, like I say, I, I was training, I was training uh, at Port Vale for the last two months of that first season. Watching, <laughs> watching, watching, basically watching my teammates get relegated. That must have been really uh, hard to just sort of stand there it, and watch. It was, it, was, it was hard because I hadn't done anything wrong. Uh, I don't know what had gone on for it to get to that point. Yeah. Um, it was... It still baffles me now to be honest with you. It makes me quite angry, to be honest. Um, because, like I say, you know, I felt like I, w- I could do something to, to stop it. 
uh, and to not be given that opportunity by the people that were involved there at the time who were in charge, uh, you know, I found it really disrespectful. Definitely. Um, and to be honest, the, the people that took over and led to me going back home and I don't think really knew what they were doing, to be honest with you. So was that um, was that more ownership or was it like management level? No, it wasn't ownership. Like... It was a per, it was a person that took over from Darren Way being sacked. Who like was I didn't that? Get that on, took I didn't. Over. Not entirely. Uh, sure. Oh God, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> Clearly, he doesn't now. live that fondly in the memory. Like I said, I, I, yeah. I, I, I just try and blank it out, mate, because like I say, it me up the way I was treated uh, and the way things were going on there. It's a bit of a shambles, really. Uh, and like I say, it, it led to him getting relegated. But from that uh, and that happening, from Darren Saul taking over, um, I think the, the day he got announced, he gave me a call and straight away we hit it off. Because um, I was lit- I was I was so close to actually moving at that point. Um, yeah. But, you know, it stayed... Uh, and found my love of football again under him. What's the Greg Podcast? Follow us on social media for all of the latest news, releases, and giveaways at What's the Greg PC. That's always good to hear. Well, at the end of that first season, I was questioning everything. Do I really want to carry on? Do what do I want to do? Just completely get away from football itself. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, like I say, the the, the gaffer Darren Sol, he was he was brilliant, brilliant. Like I say, I think um, a few of the lads that are signed discovered their love of football again. He seemed to have a good habit of people that have maybe been cast to one side at certain places and helping them find form and enjoyment again. And that in that first season we had uh, was brilliant getting to the playoffs and. But yeah, and, and losing to, to Barnet in the playoffs, not, it was gutting. Still not much luck in playoffs, do you? <laughs> no, no I, 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 it, I, that game, that game, wow, it was gutting because I think they only had two shots on goal and scored two. I think we hit the bar, the post had two cleared off the line. Um, I think I remember that. Yeah, game, it was. Say, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was. It was crazy. It was crazy. But um, no, the the, the group we had. Um, was was fantastic and to get that you know for me we we still should have gone up straight away um, yeah. I think we let ourselves down by actually being in the playoffs um, but it was a, a fantastic group great dressing room I've, I've been quite lucky in my career that I've been able to be a part of some really good dressing rooms um, yeah and then so that yeah that happened and then uh, the season just gone. Um, we got off to a horrific start. Didn't win a game in the first ten games. Um, worrying about if he was still going to be here the next day. The gaffer, yeah. Um, which is something none of us wanted, you know, because every everyone loved working under him. Um, and then. Yeah, a, a lot of things happened, especially with COVID and, you know, the, the passing of our dear friend Lee Collins. Um, 
so yeah, it was it was a difficult year last year, mate. Uh, last the season just gone, really difficult in terms of dealing with everything and just put a hell of a lot of things into perspective. Yeah, and I I was going to ask you about that as well. Um, is is that is the former Yeovil player, wasn't it? Former Yeovil captain, I believe. Um, yeah, he was he was yeah. our captain. He yeah. was our captain, Lee. Um, great lad, fantastic lad. Just a, a warrior, a real. I've not heard man. a single bad word ever said about him from any of the interviews I've watched, and obviously seems like a, a fairly happy guy as well. But you can never truly know what goes on in somebody else's head, um, because, no. like I say, you know, it's always hard to manage that personal life, and that so the whole COVID era was horrible in itself for everybody. Um, but it's yeah. it's never nice to hear when somebody that close to you in that sense has passed away. So, you know, well, how, how did you deal with that in a football sense as well as a person? Well, it, I mean, I mean, it was, um, I sat next to him every day. It was, uh, you know, like I say, he was our captain. He was my mate. Um, yeah. I, just, yeah, like you say, you never know what people are going through. Uh, unless they want you to see it, of course, um, yeah. and yeah, it's uh, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's horrible. It's horrible. What's what's gone on? Um, I think, I think, hopefully, what it does do is show that footballers are human. Yeah, uh, and that there needs to be a hell of a lot more help. Oh, he's definitely raised awareness the entire it's got, it's got to. It's got, there needs to be a hell of a lot more help in football clubs yeah. um, in terms of people coming in and speaking. Um, you know, it's okay just sending any old professional in there. It needs to be an ex-professional who knows what lads have been through and has felt it themselves and dealt with it uh, and been a part of that. I think there needs to be people employed in certain areas of the country that can look after two, three teams and go in every so often and just speak to lads, discuss any problems. And it it can't be it can't be somebody that's played Premier League all their career going to a Yeovil. Yeah. It needs to be somebody that's played at a conference stroke League Two level and has been through what lads have been through going in and discussing um, there needs to be a hell of a lot more help and I hope it gets sorted because PFA aren't doing enough at all exactly and you'd be surprised how much I you know I was actually thinking about this this morning to be fair you'd be surprised how much just little bits of kindness can go for some people Um, well it's it's not even that it's just the help it's just knowing people are there and I think it's more being able to chat to someone that's experience what you're feeling mm. and the big clubs like can afford you know your psychology well, can, but it's, it's not even that i mean you know it's not as if the pfa haven't got money exactly and they you know, should Jesus invest Christ, in helping you know um, but like i say it can't it can't be it can't be a player that's played premier league all their career going to a um a cheltenham or a yeovil or yeah do you know what i mean it needs to be somebody that's played at those levels most of their career and has experienced the stuff that lads have gone through. Uh, um, 
yeah, and I hope I hope it does change because this can't keep happening. It seems to be happening more and more, and yeah, it's it's horrible to see. Precisely, mate. And I think all of those experiences that you've had, there's obviously you've got quite a strong head on you. You've um, you're definitely a footballing man, and that must really help you with management because obviously you're in a player manager role now. And do you try and take all of those experiences and just help out your, your whole squad and also do your bit to keep other people aware and just share all of that experience? I mean, for, for me, uh, the way the way I try I manage is it you know, I don't I don't treat them as footballers, I treat them as people. Yeah. Um, because for, for for me, I think the happier a person is away from football, the happier they'll be coming to football. Uh, and I just try and be there. You know, if, if any, my, my players know if, if they need anything, I'm just a call away. Uh, if they need me to jump in my car and let's have a chat at any time, any place, I'll jump in my car and do it. Um, yeah, I, I want to be able to coach them and, and help them and improve, etc. But, for, for me, it's I think coaching for me is is about people and having relationships, uh, and and that for me is I want I want to be able to form the strongest bond I can with my players, um, and just like I say, just just be there for them and, and guide them. I can I you know I've been lucky with the players I signed. They know football, they know it. You know, I, there's no point me going. Right, you need to do this, this, and this because they've been taught it for how many years when they've been at academies, etc. Yeah. So they know what to do, but it's for me, it's just making sure now that they do it in the context of how me and my staff want to play That's and what nice we thing. think's right for us as a football club. Other than that, if for me, all I say to my players is come in, work your socks off, do everything right, and enjoy yourself. Because at the end of the day, these lads at my level now, they work all day. Yeah. So the last thing I want to do is then finish work and bombard them with information <laughs> about, do you know what I mean? There's stuff that they, they probably know anyway. Exactly. For so me, for me I, I've always said, just get the basics right. And if the morale is good, you can go places. Well, I, I think for me, I'd like to say, I, it's, it's, it's good signing good players, but you need good people. Yeah, whether that's whether that's players or staff, uh, and I'm, I'm certain that I've got a good group. I really have We've got a fantastic group of lads and staff who are all pushing in the same direction. Um, and yeah, for, for me, it's just about being there, being there as a mate, being there as a coach, being there as a person. Um, and I'm sure that. You know, it's still early days. Uh, I'm still growing relationships with a lot of the lads, but um, the the early signs are good. Uh, <laughs> for me, it's just, but it is. I mean, you know, we've we've started the season really well. We're unbeaten. Um, it must be hard to contain that excitement, though. Like it must be a real pause. No, I mean, for for me, it's 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 fantastic. But like I say, it's still early doors at the minute. We've we've done really well. And it's just about standards for me. Like I say, yeah. we'll just kick 
drip feeding in the way we want to do things. We know it's not going to come together straight away. Um, it is a learning process. It's a lot of new stuff for, for me as a player and coach, uh, manager, learning about the leagues, players in the league, types types of, um, uh, well, the way some teams are going to play against us. It's, it's a hell of a learning curve for, for me and the players and the staff. So, yeah, there's going to be bumps in the road, but I think with the type of people we've got in there, we can, you know, any bumps that we do have in the road, we can learn from it and take it forward to, to improve ourselves. And like I say, keep going and hopefully have a, a great season. Definitely. And hopefully we'll see you in the Football League one day as well uh, as a manager. That would be good too. I'm sure that's definitely up there on um, the, the the sort of aspirations and dreams, I imagine. For, for me, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's this is all new for me in terms of management, etc. and coaching yeah. at, a, you know, at the first team level. And I just want to work as hard as I can and keep improving myself as much as I can. Um, and with that, what, what happens from that is obviously a massive bonus. But for me, I, I just want to help people improve, help people enjoy playing football uh, and being part of a group that's, that's doing well. And, and from that, who knows? But I'll just crack on, do as much as I can, keep trying to learn and, yeah, see what happens. Definitely. So some some good questions, and I always I always like uh, these sort of questions in the sense because uh, we're not far away from that quick fire round. But before we get into that, you've been in plenty of dressing rooms. I'm sure you've got some good stories. What are some personal <laughs> highlights for you um, in your time in some of the dressing rooms you've been in at any club, and uh, what are some of your favourite memories and stories? Oh, oh my. God, I don't know if there's ones I can get away with. Um, <laughs> you say whatever you want. <laughs> um, I know on the, when I was at Stoke, um, <laughs> it's quite disgusting, really. But um, <laughs> Liam, Liam Lawrence and Andy Griffin used to play. So we used to have lockers that used to get locked on a Friday over the weekend. So you'd yeah. have to put all your boots you didn't need, etc. And um, <laughs> one, of, uh, one of them's decided to have a poo in one of the other lads' boots. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, got, which, got, which got left in the locker all over the weekend, locked up. Oh, God, come in, Jesus come back in on the Monday, Come back in on the Monday morning, the whole changing room was horrific stunk. <laughs> it was, yeah. It was, yeah, it was vile. It was bad. Yeah. Um, God, there's some other stuff. You, it's just the the usual one. You could you could come back to the changing room, your gear would all go missing. Um, you'd have, I think, like if anyone wore bad gear in, it'd get cut up. Uh, Jesus. all <laughs> when I was at Watford. Uh, Nat Chalibur come in and uh, Uggs. Yeah. I think he paid like 200 odd quid for his pair of Uggs. Oh them. no. He come back in, he come back in and they've been cutting off. Um, <laughs> all sorts, mate. Honestly, some of the stuff is frightening. Um, all sorts. It was just daily stuff, stuff that would go on, just trying to stitch people up or 
pranked someone. There was all sorts going on. Um, but that that's what makes your day so enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, and those are things you, that you do remember, especially when you've been involved in good groups. Uh, it's probably not the, much of the football you remember. It's the stuff off the pitch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, God, too many, mate. Too many to <laughs> go through because... Jesus, yeah, some of the some of the stuff is bonkers, really. I think you've given us a couple of good ones there. there, there <laughs> plenty of viewers all of that. That's mad. Um, uh, even that Nathaniel Chalabon one's quite surprising, you know. I mean, he's yeah, he, he's he wasn't a happy man, mate. He wasn't days. a happy man at all. <laughs> he wasn't a happy man. Well, I've I've never known many footballers to wear UGG boots, so I'm not too surprised. Oh, yeah. Just he's just me. He's the only one I've seen. He's the only one I've seen, and he didn't he didn't come back in any again. I know that. I'm not surprised, mate. I'm not surprised. And then that other story, that's just bonkers in itself. But it's all part of oh, making a good dressing yeah. room as well at the end of the day. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a fantastic group we were part of. And that was just that was just one of a number of things that had happened daily. <laughs> Jesus, fair play. Right, so that's the end of part one of the uh, What's the Crack podcast. And uh, we'll return for part two shortly. Hello and welcome back to part two of the podcast and um, we'll get straight into the quick fire question round. It should be good. Um, and I suppose we have just been talking about boots in some sort of sense and, you know, what what you get for, uh, what how you get treated for some sort of gear and whatnot. And the first question is, do you remember your first pair of football boots? Yes, I do. Oh, um, <laughs> go on. Yeah, it was a pair of uh, New Balance years ago. The big floppy white tongue, black boots, but a big <laughs> floppy white tongue. Um, yeah, I loved them. I loved them. Um, always made sure after games, uh, I hated the white tongue being dirty. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then, but I loved them because back in back then, I was a goal scorer. I was a striker. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I actually signed for Derby as a striker. So um, yeah, under tens, I was was a striker and throat left winger. But um, yeah, those were my first boots. Those New Balance, I loved them. <laughs> I think Derby could do with a striker at the moment, mate. So you might want to give him yeah. a ring. <laughs> no, 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 no they'll be okay. They've got some fantastic young lads there. I yeah. was lucky. I was lucky enough when I was at Notts County. I coached part time. Uh, mm. With Derby in the academy, um, was yeah. able to see some of those younger lads coming through, and yeah, they fully deserve to to be playing Championship football. I'm sure that they'll all go on to have fantastic careers themselves. Exactly, and obviously um, the lad who they got up front at the moment, Jack Stretton, uh, Derby Academy, and he's also from Newall. So uh, you know, yeah, you got Sibley who's from Statenall, I think, as well. Yeah, yeah, he went to uh, he went to Paulette, the school across from me. I was at Robert yeah. Sutton, so uh... <laughs> oh, boo, boo. Yeah, <laughs> I knew I'd get some stick for that. They always used to call us the Bible washers and uh, all sorts. Yeah, that was your nickname, yeah. Back in the day, so yeah. Uh, but no, it's, it is what it is. I only went there because I Mallet. William Allett was mine. Do you know, I was going to ask you, I, I had a feeling because obviously being in Newell base, you'd go Allett. I actually almost went to Allett. Um, yeah. I remember when I got into a bit of trouble at school, um, the school were arranging a managed move for me <laughs> to William Mallet. Um but Shocking. then I know I booked up my ideas and uh, stopped getting into trouble, and then uh, I had quite a calm end to school. Mm-hmm. 
But um, yeah, no, fair play. And um, Alec, Alec have always had good football teams, though. To be fair, so I'm yeah, we did all right. The, the surprise as well if you are. I can't remember the name of the the PE teacher at the time at Robertson, but he did not like us whatsoever. It used to get a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he used to used to kick off quite a few times whenever we played Robertson. Yeah, it was a, it was always um, an, an intense game to be fair when we play Alec, but uh, or, or Pingle to be fair, that was always um, an yeah, interesting one. Yeah, they didn't really do that, though, did they? No, no, yeah. <laughs> never do. But I hope so. Um, moving on to more professional football, I suppose, rather than secondary school football. <laughs> Who's the best manager you've played under? Oh, Tony Pulis. Yeah, uh, yeah, fair play. I'm going to say that. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've I've been really lucky to play under some really good managers, um, but for me, him giving me my chance in football, um, his attention to detail was second to none. Uh, I've never gone out onto a pitch feeling as organised. Um, you, I think every player would say the same. You literally knew your job, your mate's job. It was the attention to details. It was frightening, and yeah, it's you know the man's never been relegated, so that yeah, tells yeah. you everything. Tells you it's, everything. It's and good job he left it Wednesday when he did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, but he, for me, for me, he's just just a good man as well. Definitely, he seems. He seems it. I mean, I've not, I've not really heard anything bad about Tony Pulis. Seems very real. And um, wouldn't be afraid to obviously say what needs to be said. Um, oh God, no. yeah. I can't remember who I was talking to actually um, not long ago, and they literally said that Tony Pulis literally just literally put your arm, put his arm around you, and tell you, you know, you've been shit this week, um, but uh, you you're gonna kick on. I can't remember who it was. I, it was literally a former player I was talking to the other day who played under Tony Pulis. Um, but he also did it the other way as well. And yeah. knew when to put an arm around you and make you feel like you were the best player in the world. Exactly. If you could do it both ways, and that's what makes a good team. At the uh, end of the yeah. Oh. He's, um, no, he could certainly let you know if you thought something was wrong, but it like... <laughs> he'd make you laugh about it, though, was the vibe I got. Um, you know, even if you um, weren't playing too well, but he'd, he'd let you know about it. But it's one of those that at the time it's serious, but later down the line, you'd laugh about it. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Fair play. So, obviously, characters. Pulis himself is a character. Who's the biggest character you've come across in football? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I, um, think, I think even Chalibur, to be fair, has got to be a name up there or whoever did the poo in the shoe. <laughs> yeah, God, that group. Um, oh, my God. There's too many lads who were absolutely bonkers to name it yeah. just but just great lads who I've been lucky enough to share dressing rooms with I could probably go through every team and name someone um oh god if, it, if it's easier just give us two or three it depends <laughs> it depends it depends which depends how you define character However, you want to define character, whether it's good or bad. Um, (laughs) I mean, for me, big character was um, who probably at the time he signed at Stoke, 
um, seemed to give us an extra bit of a lift, especially the first season uh, with James Beatty. Yeah. Uh, great lad, still speak to him now. Great striker uh, as well. Yeah, yeah, it's finishing different class. Um, he was he was class, funny, funny lad in the dressing room. Um, John Parkin, another massive <laughs> character, bonkers, funny, so funny. Yeah, um, was just knew what he was, knew what he was. He was just as honest as the days long, um, and just loved it. He knew he knew what he was. He, he knew what he was. He knew his qualities. Um, but yeah, God did. Um, I think for me, in terms of character and seeing someone stay at standards every day, was Glenn Whelan. Yeah, of course. Uh, obviously, Stoke legend. Great lad. Great lad. Um, funny as well. Always up for a laugh. But if standards weren't up, he would let you know about it. Whether it was speaking to you, or if he hadn't spoken to you, he'd probably gone through you. Yeah, I've lost. I've uh, lost count of the amount of times in recent years I've heard Stoke fans say to me, um, "We need Whelan in that dressing room. They wouldn't be playing like this if Whelan was in there." Um, <laughs> I've, I've heard that a fair few times. They're probably right. I get it from the Prem. Yeah. So, uh, oh, fair play. I suppose um, also sort of staying on the topic of uh, players you've played with, who was your best mate in football? Um, Andy Wilkinson. Oh, fair um, he's, uh, yeah, we've literally known each other since I was 15 and I first, well, 16, 15, 16, and I first went up into the youth team um, before I signed Scholar. We've known each other since then and, yeah, he's he's... He's just an amazing lad. Uh, literally do anything for anyone. Uh, um, still horrible to think about how his career had to finish too early just yeah. from having a ball volleyed in his face. It's, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, it's, happen, it's frightening, but the most humble man um, I think anyone can ever come across. Um like I say, he's such a good lad. Um, he was one of my best men at my wedding as well. Um, so yeah, he's he's just yeah, he's just a really good mate. Definitely. I mean, it's always good to have those sort of long-term friends friends in football because it is it is a lengthy game and having those close mates can get you places or even you know you can help them with uh, any coaching or anything uh, all sorts. I imagine you probably you probably work together in that capacity if you ever did one too one day it wouldn't surprise me do you uh, do, you do um, any coaching with him now at all or uh... no to be fair I, he, I think he, he did a little bit when he'd finished but um, I think for him he, it's not something that he loves yeah um, it's not something that he wants to do he's he's really passionate about property fair play um, and he, he does he does fantastically well with that, um, and and that's that's his passion. He loves being involved and getting involved in the designs and uh, and and redesigning houses and shows that not everything's about he, football. He, he's, really. he's a clever, clever lad, clever, clever lad, and what he's done with all that side of it is um, yeah, it's fantastic what he's doing, and 
is continuing to keep doing as well. Exactly. There's a horrible sort of stereotype on football fans and footballers for just being like football, 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 and don't assume that they have, you know, other interests and enjoy other things. And I, I hate people who have that sort of an opinion because you'd be surprised what ex-footballers or football fans actually can go on to do. So, um, Well, I think, I think that's happening a lot more, mate, with COVID as well. I yeah. think with the lock, I think with the lockdowns, etc., people have discovered other avenues that they enjoy. Exactly, and and you know, I think especially lads at my level, etc., some some don't want to play football anymore, mm. or some some lads have been playing at full time level, have been involved in COVID, um, and don't want to go back to full time football because they've discovered something else that can possibly give them a, a better way of life. Definitely, uh, yeah. And help them better financially or et cetera. And especially lads at, you know, conference level, et cetera, down. Um, you know, I think they think people at conference level are still getting paid thousands and thousands of pounds each week. And it's not, it's and it's not, not that. it really, no, it really is not. I mean, don't get me wrong, you'll have a couple of players, etc., that will be on whatever. I think but, Wrexham is probably one of the only <laughs> places I can think of where you're probably on a thousand pounds a week or whatnot. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, a thousand pounds a week, there'll be probably a lot of that at, at conference teams, etc. But you know, and Wrexham will have a few now who exceed that massively, but. Because it's a weird story. For, for, yeah. a lot, for a lot of people, for a lot of people at that level, uh, probably even League Two, I'm talking as well, mm. and, and nowhere near that, and nowhere near that, Precisely. and and like I say, people people discover other things that, you know, makes them think that football isn't everything. Um, like for me, I love it, and I can't imagine being away from it. Whereas yeah. I know. That's not the same with a hell of a lot of people. And mm. for me, it's what's going to make you happy and your family happy and what you believe in. Don't just follow the trend. If you passion, you can be passionate about, I don't know, engineering or, you know, anything. Anything, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, you see, you see a hell of a lot more ex-players now going into punditry. Definitely. Radio, yeah. doing that, you know, the courses, the PFA set up on broadcasting, etc. Fantastic courses. I know quite a few lads that have gone on and, did, and done that and they're doing really well now at industry and radio. So yeah. there's a lot more stuff out there than just football. Yeah, I wish I could. <laughs> See, I wish I could say that was me, but all I ever do is football stuff and I, I could try. Like, I've tried yeah, but that's, that's your passion. Yeah, exactly. If you're passionate about it and you enjoy doing it, Definitely, yeah. I mean, I, no, I started no. doing football scouting because of lockdown. So there, there you go. You ever need a freelance scout? Hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> I might, I might have some work for you. Cheers. <laughs> um, but yeah, so no, it's always good to have those sort of uh, chats and whatnot. And then <laughs> I suppose this is similar to uh, this question is similar to a question I asked you earlier about, um, you know, sort of funny moments and funny stories. But they've asked me to ask you, what's your best Xmas party story? Best Christmas party story? Do you have any crackers? 
Um, oh, it was, um, it was probably when I was at uh, Notts County. Um, yeah. We had, yeah, we had to pick a name out of a hat, um, and whoever's name you picked out, you had a twenty pound limit to get their outfit for the Sunday. Flipping <laughs> So, um, one of the lads got Matt Tootle, and what they dressed him up in was absolutely horrendous. Horrendous. Uh, I won't say what it was. Oh, God. But I won't say what it was, but horrific, horrific. Um, <laughs> how, how, how he stayed in it the whole day, I don't know. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was one that uh, comes to the mind quite freshly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It was, yeah, how he got away with it, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, no, there's, there's, there's so many others. Um and I think I think having those those Christmas parties um, is always a massive thing. Yeah. Um, you know, especially like so say the Oval, we went to Winter Wonderland all dressed as chickens. You know what I mean? <laughs> In London, you've got you've got 25 chickens running around <laughs> trying to get into a pub. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, it's one of them. But it's you you always see that many teams that are all seem to land on one weekend, etc or in the space of a couple of weekends and you see that many teams and it's, it's just a just a great crack. Everyone, yeah. everyone's there, you say hello, you have a beer together, you just enjoy it. You enjoy the live bands, you enjoy having a sing song uh, and it's yeah. just a really good, really good time of, of the season. Best way to be, mate, best way to be. So, roommate, who was your best roommate? Uh, I'd say my longest roommate was um, Andy Wilkinson. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. I've had a lot of roommates, been at a lot of clubs. <laughs> um, no, he's quite chilled out. Don't get me wrong. Now and then you could leave your room, come back and it had been trashed. That's happened a couple of times. <laughs> um, you know, the, the old, the old, Bucket of water against the door trick. Who was um, the worst roommate? But yeah. <laughs> well, luckily I never had him, but I can imagine people like John Parkin, etc. Um, there was always Rob Kosluck at Barnsley. <laughs> he, um, he was always always up to something. Always, always up to something. Um, but yeah, it, it could be a number of any people. There's always. There's always people at every team who are always up to something and trying to cause bother and prank people. Um, but yeah, I, I couldn't name one off the bat. Fair play. It's always still a good question to ask. Um, so is this one, to be fair. Um, I've got plenty I could reel off myself sort of from a fan perspective. Um, but what's your best game, favourite game? Um... Obviously, the Leicester game, last game of the season and getting promoted, yeah. that will always... Um, there's a few. Um, the the first home game of the Premier League, when we beat Villa, you'll be happy with that. I was going to say, um, that's, that's always good to win. <laughs> we, beat, we, beat, 
we beat we beat Villa three two in the last minute, but the atmosphere that game was, yeah, it it sent shivers down my spine walking out of the tunnel that day. Um, there was also uh, Coventry away uh, in the season we did get promoted, where Liam Lawrence scored a late winner. Um, I think that was when we got back to, into the dressing room. We sat there looking at each other, and I think we just knew, right, this is it now. This is this is the chance we've got to go up. We're going to do it. A um, few others for sentimental reasons. Uh, um, obviously, getting the the game after when my dad passed away, and then whilst I was at Port Vale, the game after my mum passed away. The reception I got from the Port Vale fans is um, is something that will. I remember for a hell of a long time. Um, so those for for that reasons, but just many. I mean, the last game of the season, the season just gone at Yeovil, um, the send off for for Lee uh, and, and having his daughters there, and then being on the pitch and them getting an amazing reception with with Rachel. It was yeah to, to be a part of that and to you know be there for them. Um, I, and, exactly. and, and to give Lee the send off that he deserved from and that's, fans, that, etc. Yeah, I mean that right there. You've already named many reasons why it's called the beautiful game, essentially. So mm. uh, fair play, and uh, yeah, it's it's always good to think of it in not just sort of a, oh that game was mad sense, but in you know atmosphere as well, um, not just the result. It was um, just just those sort of special moments. Always good to value that sort of stuff. Um, sort of talking about games as well. What's your what's the best ground you've been to? Oh. Emirates was nice. No atmosphere, Emirates but it's nice. Nice. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, um, Newcastle was good. Oh yeah, St James's is a cracking one. Horrible oh, when you lose. Um, though, it's such a long journey. I remember, I remember playing. I remember playing. Um, I remember playing at Cardiff Old Ground in Indian Park, mm. where it was everything was dead tight and on top of you. You pick the ball up for throwing, and a fan would be about two meters away from you, screaming at you. Um, <laughs> I, enjoyed, I enjoyed. No, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. I like. I like having a bit of crack with the fans. Whether it's good or bad, I, it's, it's I, always I, a good I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I, lo- I love it when fans are either at you or with you. I, I love all of that um, because it kind of makes their day. Yeah, you know I mean? they they can give you a bit. And I, I mean, I wouldn't have the crack if someone was abusing me. Then I'd always try and have a bit of banter back um, yeah. and try and have a bit of, uh, of a laugh with, especially away fans. If they were giving me a bit, I'd always try to have a bit of banter with them. Um, I'm trying to think of some other grounds uh, I enjoyed um, enjoy going to West Brom because playing at Stoke we always seem to do well against West Brom yeah well they've got and a champ for it haven't they the champ we always beat West Brom so um, I enjoy playing there I actually went to West Brom away with Stoke when um, you know when Tyrese Campbell but uh, yeah, one one nil. I think it was like six yeah. minute goal. Yeah, I was I was in the away end for that one. I, I went with my mates running uh, across the uh, some of the empty seats next to our left. We ran across and we we're giving it large to the back. Of <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's probably all this mate I can think of. But um, 
no, they're, they're the ones that probably stick out, um, to be honest with you. Um, so you, I'll tell you a really nice stadium. I, might, I was lucky enough to play it a couple of times. Leicester's, Leicester's a beautiful stadium. Yeah. Pride Park, enjoy playing there. <laughs> um, yeah, I must Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not it's 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 well it's it's I I love it but not many people <laughs> regard no. it highly. No, that's a, that's probably one of the last remaining proper old school ones, really, isn't it? So. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think it's um it's it's probably why it's falling apart, to be honest. But <laughs> yeah. hey ho, yeah, possibly. It is what it is. Next one is quite a cool one. Best goal you've seen live? Ricardo Fuller. Against Villa, that first home oh, game in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, to don't get it wrong, I've seen lads score screamers, but for that skill and the way he finished, I think if I think if that was a, a, a Ronaldo or Rooney or someone like that, it'd be getting shown year in year out. Yeah, it was. It was frightening. It was frightening, um, especially on you know the first Premier League home game to do that. It was, yeah, and thing is with Ricardo, he, he could win games at any moment by himself. He's a baller, big baller. He, he, he just had magic, honestly. He, he could he could do something out of nothing and win a game in an instant. Yeah, fair play. Um, Favourite goal? For me personally. See, like you could have scored it or you could have been somebody else who scored it. But <laughs> up to you. Um, I, th- I think my favourite goal would obviously be Rick's. Um, yeah. For for me personally, my favourite goal I scored was um, for Watford against Bristol City. Mm. Uh, I remember Michael Kitely dropping me the ball back. I think I was about t- twenty or so yards out. Uh, I've just hit, hit a screamer past David James. Who was I'll give that Bristol a watch afterwards. <laughs> well, I, you, should, you might struggle to find it, um, but that's that's my favourite goal that I scored. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, the, the way I tend to find goals these days is if you, a lot of clubs like post previous goals from uh, games against that team, and that's how you always tend to find those sort of goals these days. And if I can, if I can find it, I'll let you know. <laughs> um, yeah. Sound. And um, next one's an interesting one. Best shirt you've ever swapped? Ooh. Um don't know if they've ever wanted mine. <laughs> um, um, I've been I've been quite lucky early because especially that first year in the Premier League, a lot of the time I I'd be like 18th man or you know what I mean, 19th man, etc. Um, so I I'd just wait for players to come off. I'd stand in the tunnel and wait for players to come off. I managed to get Ashley Coles. Um, I've got. Oh, I remember that now. I've actually got Teddy Sheringham's last ever shirt he played in. Jesus, that so that'd go 50, for a few, well, a fair few now. Well, the season, the season we got promoted, um, we played Colchester second to last game, mm. and Teddy Sheringham was there, and he was injured for the last game of the season, and then retired. So technically, that's the last ever shirt he played in. Flipping uh, I've, I've got that, and uh, I was lucky enough to get. Um, 
Pepe's shirt we managed when I was at Stoke, we played Real Madrid in a pre-season friendly in Austria. That's quite um, a long forget. Looks well, it hasn't it hasn't got his his name on it, but I just went and grabbed it off him after the game. I just went, grab your shirt, he went, yeah, no problem, done. So I'd I've like got that it. as well. I've got a few others. I'm um, just off players I respected at the time. So I've got like, Alan Smith, who's at uh, Newcastle. Yeah, I've got Michael Richards, Stephen Taylor's. Um, so yeah, I've, I've got a few um, that means a lot of uh, that were players that I respected and where they were in their careers at the time and the way they carried themselves on a football pitch. Fair play. Uh, this next one's quite a funny one. Best initiation song. Oh. Oh, there's been some crackers. Um, Michael Cartley, when he's at Watford, dressed up as Queen. <laughs> usually, 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 you just stand up on your chair and, and do it. Yeah. But he, he'd come in his tracksuit, unzipped his tracksuit, and had a full Freddie Mercury outfit on underneath. Flipping heck. <laughs> um, trying to think. There's been some horrific ones as well lads that shouldn't have even got up got the worst singing songs yeah because I used to do a bit uh, at clubs I used to because I can do the X Factor voice I used oh, to yeah. introduce I used to introduce them and go right come on down <laughs> um, that's class so um, but um, uh, I, I'll go for the one recently when I was at you know, Reese Murphy uh, the song yeah. he did yeah, no, um, the song that goes, I am the music man. I can... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he managed to get every, he managed to get, he managed to get everybody involved, and it was brilliant. And I, I've not heard that one done before. I was gonna say, so, that's not uh, one I've regularly was, heard. Yeah, you get the you get the usual Oasis, um, Robbie Williams, yeah. etc. They all should right. all be on a fan list by now. Um, <laughs> but, um, no, if it is, is the most recent one that sticks in my head. Fair play. Love that. Then the last question of the quick fire question round. If you weren't a footballer, what would you be? I'd probably still be involved in football in some way, either as an agent um, or scout, um, possibly a personal trainer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think one of those, either... Still involved in football, if not, then definitely in the fitness industry somehow. Love that. Um, and that wraps up part two. And we'll be back for the final part shortly. Welcome back to part three of the What's the Crack? Uh, what the heck? Can't speak. What's the Crack podcast? And uh, we're now going to go into your all time 11. So starting with goalkeeper, who would you have in goal? Um. From ones I've played with, I'll probably go Thomas Sorensen. Fair play, good shout. Right back, Andy Wilkinson. Of course, uh, centre back pairing. Um, Ryan Shaw cross one, for definite Stoke legend. Um, I'm probably going to name Stoke eleven here. Be ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, centre half, centre half. 
I mean, if you rather if you rather chuck yourself in at left back or centre back, then feel free. <laughs> um, the centre half. I'll probably go recently and go with Lee Collins. Love that. Left back. Um, Danny Higginbottom or Andy Griffin. Oh, that's a tough one now. <laughs> I'll go with Danny. Okie dokie. Um, central midfield pairing. Glenn, Glenn Whelan, definitely. Um, Solid. And I'll go with I'll go with um, Fabian Delph, who was a younger lad, young yeah, younger lad when I was at Leeds. But even then, you knew he wasn't going to be there that long. You knew yeah. he was going to kick on, just like he wasn't at Villa that long and left them for City. And I'll always love him for it. Fair play. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no good chat. I never actually knew he played for Leeds, so uh, that was yeah. Um, yeah, that's where he came through. As a young kid, I think Gary McAllister and Dennis Wise, I think, gave him his opportunity. But yeah, he's got some quality, mate. Love that. So, right winger. This is a good mate of mine. And the season we went up with his assists, etc. Liam Lawrence. Of course, of course. Uh, left winger. Might as well have just done all time Stoke 11 here. I know, I know. It probably is. <laughs> Um, I'm just trying to remember each team I've been at. Uh, <laughs> I really, I really enjoyed playing with Michael Cartley at Watford. Gosh, I really enjoyed playing with him. I felt like we had a good understanding. Um, but I think for in terms of the the way he helped me. And the way he looked after me, um, Richard Cresswell. Fair play. So, um, Freddie Mercury's just missed out to Cresswell then. <laughs> yeah. Fair play. Um, so, your strike force to cap it off, your front two, who are you going for? Fuller, definitely one. Of course, big baller. Um, Probably in, in terms of, uh, I'm trying to think. You could probably put me on the spot with this one now. Um, <laughs> I heard you know what, Once upon a time, I actually heard that um, there was a, a Derby Youth Academy striker that moved to Stoke Academy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, not a chance at that. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Um. Probably um, at the time in his career, he was still doing it. He was still banging in goals. Um, who I enjoyed playing with as well, John Stead. John Stead, fair play. I mean, I will never forget that that Bradford uh, FA Cup win against Chelsea. Scored an yeah. absolute worldie in that first half. Um, so, yeah, yeah. No, I'm surprised he's still going now. It's mad that he's had quite the career, obviously, at Notts County. Yeah, I think, um, I, think he's at, I think he's out. At, well, he finished at Notts County, went to uh, um, Harrogate. Yep. Finished there. I think, he's out, I think he's out at coaching at the minute at Fort Lauderdale. 
That's the, the the thingy club below into Miami. So okay. um, yeah, so he's he's doing really well. Doing I, all right for I don't, I, Well, I don't I don't think it was something he was particularly thinking of doing. But I think now, when the opportunity came, he thought, "Well, I'll give it a go." And I think he's just taking it completely in his stride, and he loves it. Yeah. So it is one of them. You can you can be given a chance at something, and all of a sudden you develop that love of it that you probably didn't realise you did have. Definitely, and um, yeah, that sort of wraps things up now, really, mate. I appreciate you joining us. It's been fantastic, and I'm sure that eleven would win the Champions League and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> Championship, so, um, yeah, well, yeah, Championship. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right. Um, so yeah, that's been the man, the myth, Carl Dickinson. Thank you for joining us, mate. It's been really appreciated. And um, all the best of luck with uh, Hanley for the rest of the season. And of course, you know, you need to scout. I'm here. I don't, I don't charge. <laughs> um, and all right. Oh, um, good to know. Good to know. <laughs> cool. I mean, I'm still learning the ropes. I've done some stuff for some EFL, EFL clubs for free. So uh, I'm, I'm just open to learning. Anyway, I'll stop promoting myself now and wrap the podcast up. And, um, <laughs> cool. Um, so yeah everyone who's joined thank you for listening as well appreciate it. if you could leave a like and <clears throat> share the podcast as much as possible and also thank you to JMR Property Maintenance uh, for being associated with the podcast and we'll see you in the next one <laughs>